So we are in this series called Losing My Religion. This is a title of a now famous song actually by R.E.M. And the title of our message today is Don't Stop Believing. You say, what's wrong with you? You got all these 80s and 90s songs in your head. Well, I mean, some of these songs have some, have some really interesting uh, things that they're talking about and teaching. And uh, so today is called Don't Stop Believing. I want to talk to you about a chapter in the book of Hebrews. That's what we're walking through here over the next few weeks. And in a way, these people had to lose their religion. They had to give up their idea that they could be saved by following all of the rules and the laws in the Torah, in the first five books of the Bible. And that's what they thought. They thought you do what God says and you'll be saved and now they're faced with this whole thing where they're followers of Jesus as the Messiah, and they have to realize that it is in him that you find the fulfillment of the law. It is in him that you find ultimate salvation, and that other way is now old. It's now insufficient. It's now an old covenant. There is a new covenant in Jesus and in what he has done for us on the cross. So in a sense, they had to give up their religion. If you define religion as jumping up and down, following all the rules so that you get to God. And the same thing happens today. People think that they have to do all of these things in order to be saved, do this, be a good person, go to church, do all these things, and you'll be saved. And that isn't true. It is in Christ that we are saved in faith in him. All of those good things that we do are good things, but those things will never be good enough to save us. We have to trust in Christ and Christ alone for our salvation. So they had to give up their religion. Again, if you define religion as doing a bunch of things in order to be saved, but they had to grow in their faith in Christ. And the problem that they're facing in Hebrews chapter 3 is that they're slipping away, and their faith is, is decreasing. And they're being warned here uh, very strongly not to stop believing, hence the title today, Don't Stop Believing. I'll put some scriptures on the screen for you there to look up. Uh, and you, you have to do a little bit of, um, oh, I think we've lost the camera again. I see a black light. Okay, I'm going to keep going. You may not see me, but you will hear me, and we may need to get a technician to turn the camera on again. I'm going to leave it to them to try and solve the problem, all right? And, uh, but I'm going to keep going, okay? And maybe you can put a, uh, just put the sermon uh, slides on the screen. People don't necessarily have to see me anyway, okay? They all know what, I'm look, what I look like. We can probably keep it that way uh, for the rest of the service, okay? So uh, we're at Hebrews chapter 3, and you see a whole series of warnings, and you see the author is going to quote from the Psalms to draw the people's attention to something in the past in order to illustrate to them to not stop Believing, Okay, this is from Hebrews chapter 3. I'll read a few verses. Therefore, holy brothers, and that implies sisters as well, who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, the apostle and high priest whom we confess. He was faithful to the one who appointed him, just as Moses was faithful in all God's 
house. Jesus has been found worthy of greater honor than Moses, just as the builder of a house has a greater honor than the house himself. So what he's trying to do is show that Jesus is greater than Moses and superior to Moses. This would have been a really revolutionary thought and idea, and it would have been offensive. The other Jewish people would have said, you, you're, you're disrespecting Moses, you're speaking down on Moses. Uh, that's not what he's doing, the author of Hebrews. Uh, but at the same time, he's saying that Jesus is superior to Moses, just as the builder of a house has greater honor than the house itself. And he says, every house is built by someone, but God is the builder of everything. Moses was faithful uh, and uh, as a servant in all God's house, testifying to what would be said in the future. But Christ is faithful as a son over God's house. And we are his house if we hold on to our courage and the hope of which we boast. And here he's going to start to pull out this this painful reminder, if you will, from the Old Testament. So again, first he starts by showing Jesus is superior to Moses. Now he's going to pull out this old memory. And he pulls this out of the Psalms. It's from Psalm 95. Uh, So as the Holy Spirit says, Today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the desert. So he's talking about a time uh, way in the past after the Jewish people had gone out of Egypt and they're in the wilderness on their way to the promised land, the land of Canaan, the land flowing with milk and honey and so on. And he says here there's a time of rebellion that took place in the desert. Again, the author of Hebrews quoting from an old psalm. This is Psalm 95 in the Old Testament. And in order to know what he's talking about from the psalms, you actually have to dig around in the Old Testament to see these passages where your father tested and fathers tested and tried me and for 40 years saw what I did. Now, it would have taken the Israelites like just a few weeks maybe three, four weeks to get from Egypt back or or into the promised land. And yet it takes them 40 years. It takes them 40 years because they're rebelling all the time. And so this is what's being referred to here. And he says, that's why I was angry with that generation. And I said, their hearts are always going astray and they have not known my ways. So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. Very, very strong warning. And then he says it here, the author of Hebrews zapping back into into their time in the first century. See to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart. Don't stop believing that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another Daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. I'll stop there. So if you dig around and you look at what the author is referring to and what the psalmist is referring to, 
you see a couple of things, uh, and these are, I'm only going to mention two of them, but these are referred to directly uh, back in the book of Exodus, and it's chapter 17. I've, I've got the verse on your screen. Hopefully it's working, and I see we're back. Thank you, all the technicians. I hear you EQ'd my voice at the same time. We got the camera working. Yes, sir. So the, in this little passage here from Exodus chapter 17, you see an incident of rebellion by the people and what Moses does. So verse 17, or chapter 17 of Exodus, uh, the whole Israelite community set out from what's, what was called the desert of sin. Don't be confused by the word sin. It's one way of pronouncing it. Traveling from place to place as the Lord commanded. So they've gone out of Egypt. They're in the wilderness on their way to the promised land. And they camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. And so they quarreled with Moses. And they said, give us water to drink. You say, well, how is that rebellion? Why would that make God so angry? Just wait. And Moses says, why do you quarrel against me? Why do you put the Lord to the test? Now, remember, you've got people who walked through the parted waters, uh, the Red Sea. Remember the crossing of the Red Sea, which is like the greatest, most noted miracle in the entire Old Testament. My voice is sounding excellent in the house. Hopefully it's sounding good on the stream. And thank you again for EQing it. Uh, why do you quarrel with me, Moses says, and the people were thirsty for water. They grumbled against Moses. Again, the same people who saw this incredible miracle. And they said, why did you bring us out of Egypt? To make us and our children and our livestock die of thirst. So Moses, you brought us out here, and now we're all going to go thirsty. And we're going to die of thirst. Thanks a lot. You've got like minimum half a million people complaining. Minimum. It's probably over a million people. But let's just say minimum half a million people rising up and complaining. And these are people who walked through water, through a... a I mean, the Red Sea parting is like, a, if you saw that, why would you deny that God could provide for you? I don't know. And so Moses cries out to the Lord. He says, what am I supposed to do with these people? These people are going to kill me. They're going to stone me. And the Lord said to Moses, walk on ahead of the people. Take with you some of the elders of Israel. Take in your hand the staff, which you remember when you struck the Nile River or uh, um, and the waters parted, you take that staff with you, and I will stand before you. Uh, when he says the Nile, he's talking about the staff that was given to him when he was using it in all the signs and wonders against Pharaoh. He still would use it later in the, in the parting of the sea. I will stand there before you by the rock of Horeb. Strike the rock. And water will come out of it for the people to drink. And so Moses did this in the sight of the elders. And he called the place Massah and Meribah because the Israelites quarreled because they tested the Lord saying, is the Lord among us or not? This is one example. This is referred to by the psalmist in Psalm 95. And there's another one that's more severe. And this you'll find in the book of Numbers. And it's chapter 14, verses 20 to 29. Again, these things are on your screen. And here you have another rebellion by the people. And the people are basically saying some of the same kinds of things. 
why did you lead us out here in the desert to die and so on and and you know they're complaining they're rising up against Moses you can read the whole chapter it's a rather sad thing and here Moses kind of intercedes with God for the people and God says I'm gonna I'm gonna do away with all these people Moses and then I'll take you and I'll make you into a different kind of generation of people and and Moses kind of petitions God and says, don't do that because the, the people in Canaan, we've lost the feet again. The people in Canaan are watching. Uh, you know what? If, if it gets too difficult, then just, just go with slides only and not the video uh, for today. Yeah, if it gets too much, if you want to keep attacking it, you keep going, okay? Uh, but we need to just keep the slides on the screen for the people as much as we can. Uh, so anyway, um, uh, there's this rebellion, and God says to Moses, okay, uh, I, I'll, make, I'll, I'll compromise Moses, and I'm not going to do what I said I was going to do, but these people here, this generation of people, they're not going to make it into the promised land. Uh, Joshua's going to make it. Caleb's going to make it. The very young generation is going to make it, but this other generation is going to perish in the wilderness. I have forgiven them, but nevertheless, they are going to perish. Another rebellion, and here uh, God actually says to Moses, they've rebelled against me ten times out here in the desert. God counts them as ten. You'd have to read again, read the books of Exodus and Numbers, and you see rebellion after rebellion after rebellion, a journey that would have taken the people several weeks turns into 40 sad years. Their faith began to die. Their belief, their trust in God was eroded, and they stopped believing. And the author of Hebrews uses this as a warning. And he's saying to these believers in the Messiah, Jesus, don't stop believing. Don't be like those people who lost their lives in the wilderness, because of their hardened hearts, because of their rebellion, you probably know the famous story of when the people made the golden calf. Moses is up on Mount Sinai. He's taking too long. They get impatient, and they actually make a golden calf and start worshiping this idol. They had come out of a place where there was idolatry, and yet there they are worshiping an idol that they create. And this is another example of rebellion. So I want to deal with the question for a few minutes before we finish today. What causes faith to die? What causes faith to be eroded, to decrease, and to ultimately die? What can we learn from these people about faith that was squashed, faith that died out and they lost their lives as a result and never made it into the promised land, a whole generation of people. What is it that causes faith to die? Let me give you things that I have seen. Uh, we'll put them on the screen. And this is what I've seen in the modern era, uh, having pastored for a couple of decades now. Uh, you start to see the same things over and over again, and uh, the history kind of repeats itself. This is what I have seen. These are in no particular order. Number one, bad church experience. So a person uh, uh, comes to faith. Uh, they, they start to believe you, you see them as part of some kind of church experience, some kind of type of community of faith, and uh, they're, they're growing, and they're sprouting, and they're they're starting to learn things. They're starting to make friends and so on. And yet they end up having some kind of a bad church experience. 
they run into, uh, you know, another Christian, another person in their church, and it's, it's that person said something, that person did something, and it hurt them. And their experience, it was a painful experience. And they say to themselves, if this is what Christianity is, if this is uh, what Christianity is represented by, this person, this individual, then I'm not so sure I really want to be a Christian anymore. And I'm not saying that uh, going to church necessarily makes you a Christian. It most certainly does not. But it can be an evidence that a person is believing. Uh, some people go to church for all kinds of reasons. But in general, when people do, it's because there's, there's something of faith going on in their heart. And so in this particular problem, a person gives up faith because of a bad church experience. It's very common. Another reason, uh, suffering that's unjust that a person goes through. So something may happen to them. They may have uh, crime happen to them. They may have some kind of trauma. They may have some kind of uh, life-threatening illness that may uh, attack them or attack members of their family. They say, that's not fair. That's not just. And if, if God uh, exists, why would God have that had uh, allow that to happen in my life or my loved one's life? He doesn't exist. We got the camera back. Thank you for your patience. Once again, we'll see if we can hold it. Uh, not sure why it's doing it, but we'll keep on going. So the unjust suffering, the person says, well, I, I'm not going to believe anymore because if this is who God is, my faith has been crushed by this experience, and it sometimes it never recovers. Unjust suffering. Uh, I've seen it marriage to a non-Christian, uh, and most of the time I've seen this in the lives of women, not so much men, but especially in the lives of women, and they'll marry a, uh, a guy who's, you know, he's a nice guy and everything, he's open-minded and all of that, but he, just to put it in blunt terms, he's not saved, he's not a Christian, and so this, this young woman, you know, who's very uh, uh, pious and, and very apparently filled with faith, it starts to drain over time. And over a period of years, that woman finds herself, the faith is no longer important. It's no longer existent. It's kind of shriveled up like a dried leaf. Uh, and that's because it's not being encouraged by the husband. It's not being discouraged, per se, but certainly not being encouraged. And you just see it just kind of drops down to zero in that woman's life. I've seen that more with women than men, some men, but mostly women. Uh, sometimes it can be just bad, erroneous doctrine that a person's taught. They're taught something initially, and they start believing it, and what they're believing is all wrong. Uh, the most popular of this today is the word faith movement, where, where people are taught about a God who supposedly wants to make all of his followers wealthy and healthy. And so if you're a Christian and you're not healthy or you're not wealthy, that's your problem. God wills your health and your wealth. And if you pray the right prayers and quote, quote the right scriptures and believe the right ways, uh, then you should be fine. And this is, this, is, this is who God is. And people start to realize, yeah, but I'm sick and I'm not that wealthy and I'm not getting better. So I guess, I guess I'm just not good enough. I guess, I guess I just don't believe anymore because God's supposed to make me healthy and wealthy and I'm just not. 
Well, that's because they were taught something erroneous about God. It's not, it's not really, I mean, it's sad, but it's because initially what they understood about God was wrong. And the last one that I've seen is unfulfilled expectations. God, I'll serve you if you do this, 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 and this for me. And they realize God didn't do this, 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 and this for them. And so they say, well, you know, God has not met my expectations. And so the heart starts to shrivel up and the faith starts to die. And it starts to decrease. And ultimately, there's nothing left. Jesus addressed this in a little story he told called, we call it today, the parable of the sower. And he talks about the farmer who scatters the seed and he says there's different kinds of, uh, of ground that the seed falls on. And this is an illustration for the, the message, the word, the message of salvation being preached to people and how people respond to it depending on the condition of their heart. And he mentions different, um, different things that, that cause faith to die. And he, uses, he does it using an illustration from farming, you know, and he talks about the, 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 um, uh, the seed that falls on a certain type of land and uh, you've got uh, the, the birds come and pick it up and the seed that falls on another kind of land and the thorns come and they choke it and so on. You can read about it in Mark chapter 4. So there's four different things that he says that kill faith. Number one, spiritual theft, I'll call it. So he says the, he says the devil comes and he steals away what was sown in the heart of the person. Maybe through some kind of deception, maybe through some kind of lies that a person may be believing. He doesn't get into the details of it, but it's kind of like a spiritual theft. It reminds me of, um, I work a couple of days at a, at a large food bank, and it's a piperie also, and a few other things. And outside the, the store, the little piperie, the clothing store, well, it's, not, it's a, like, um, what do you call it, a thrift store, we had this this bin, you know, that you put donations in, and and uh, one morning I came into to work and I looked and I said, "Where's the bin? The bin is gone." And it turns out that some thieves in the night had taken the entire bin, <laughs> and they they actually stole the whole thing with all the contents in. They took the whole bin. And, you know, when you get stolen from, you don't even realize it. It's just like someone tricked you, someone deceived you. They waited until you weren't looking, and they just took it away. And this can happen. Uh, Jesus talks about trouble or persecution happening in a person's life. So they face difficulty when they start to believe trouble, persecution, and they fall away. He talks about life's worries. He talks about the deceitfulness of wealth and how wealth can draw a person away from God. And it can decrease faith because wealth can trick you into thinking that you've acquired it all yourself. The deceitfulness of wealth, life's worries, the desires for other things, these can all crush faith. They can all make faith die. It's a bit of a scary story he's telling because it almost makes you wonder, well, do I have any control over it? You know, am I, am I, the, am I the thorny field? Am I the dry field? Or am I the land that's going, where the, the word is going to sprout and take root? It seems to be a warning where he's trying to say, 
you decide how you're going to respond. What's your heart's response going to be to the word? So uh, what do we do about this? What's the antidote to faith dropping and decreasing and eventually dying? Back to the book of Hebrews and this idea, don't stop believing. He, he says it right there uh, at the beginning of Hebrews chapter 3. And he says, fix your thoughts on Jesus the apostle and high priest whom we confess. So watch your mind and watch what you're thinking about because you start thinking things and then you start believing things and then your heart follows suit and then your behavior follows suit and all of a sudden, like, faith means nothing to you. It starts in your head. Fix your thoughts on Jesus. Verse 12 Again, continuing this warning, see to it that none of you has a sinful, like those folks in the Old Testament who built the golden calf, a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. Watch your mind, watch your heart. And then he says, verse 13, amazing verse, even in a pandemic, Encourage one another daily. Implication, if you want your faith to grow and you don't want it to die, that takes not just you, that takes other people as well. Encourage one another daily. You can't be a Christian and not be surrounded by some other a community of Christians, i.e. the church. How are you supposed to encourage somebody else if you don't know anybody else? Encourage one another daily. He doesn't say that this has to be done, you know, in person. He just says encourage one another daily. We're in a condition where we can only get a certain amount of people together in person. Well, you ever picked up the phone and encouraged somebody else? You ever gotten on your computer and Zoom called somebody and encouraged somebody else? Because people's faith can die in a pandemic. There can be so much loss in a pandemic. People can get crushed and their belief can get crushed in a pandemic. So what are you doing to encourage somebody else? What are you doing to be encouraged? Encourage one another daily as long as it is called today. Why? So that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Sin's going to try and trick you. It certainly tricked the people in the Old Testament out in the wilderness. It will deceive you. It will trick you. It will harden your heart. But when you're part of some kind of community of faith, maybe it's a small group that you're a part of. Uh, and uh, Hopefully it's some kind of a church community that you're a part of. You can encourage somebody else and you can be encouraged. It's not always easy to do. It takes intentionality, but that's the recipe for faith to grow. Otherwise, your faith may die. And I see we lost the camera. Once again, three strikes and you're out. So, <laughs> But hopefully you can still see the slides and we are still streaming and everything is working out great. So I'd invite the, the other musicians if they would come back. And um, you may not see, uh, but you can hear. And um, I'd like them to uh, go ahead and play something, and we'll sing one song. Whichever they choose, I will join in. Uh, but I'd like to pray for you uh, before we sing. 
uh, this morning. I think that there are people who are, who are watching this stream, and uh, we post the audio as well on Podbean and uh, Apple Podcasts, people who listen. And I think that the truth be told, uh, while we like to, you know, look at other people and they used to be a Christian and now they're not anymore, well, oftentimes this happens to people of faith and people within a church community struggle, 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 and their faith silently is beginning to dry up and shrivel up like a leaf. And it's getting to a place where it's, it needs an injection of life. People need to be encouraged. People need to watch what they're thinking about and what they're feeding into their heads and into their minds and into their souls. Uh, so I wonder if there are people who are listening today and watching and you say, man, you know, I think I'm a bit like that proverbial frog in the water. You know, the story of the frog. And if you if you put the frog in boiling water right away, the frog's going to know. But if you put the frog in water and you slowly turn up the heat, the frog is not even going to know. And before he knows it, he's going to perish. And maybe you're a bit like that frog. And you say, boy, you know, I haven't really been keeping track of how my faith is doing. I haven't really um, examined it and examined myself to see what's the spiritual pulse like in my life. I haven't stopped to take a look at that and to realize that is my faith growing or is my faith dying? Am I believing or have I stopped believing? So God, I pray for each person ultimately by your spirit you would inject life into our hearts and souls and minds and lord whether we're faced with a pandemic whether we're constrained uh whether we're not lord um your word goes beyond that and we have a responsibility to keep growing and to keep believing and to keep trusting so help us god uh, to do that. We pray in Jesus' name. You unravel me with a melody. You surround I've been born again, 
blood flows through my veins. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. You split the sea so I could walk right through it. My fears were drowned in perfect love. And you rescued me so I could stand and sing. I am child of God. You split the sea so I could walk right through it. My fears were drowned in perfect love. You rescued me so I could stand and sing. I am a child. A child of God. Oh, we sing, I am a child of God. Praise the Lord. We're just going to let the band continue to sing. You feel free to stay on the stream and enjoy the music. Look forward to being with you again tomorrow night for live Q&A, Wednesday night for video Bible studies. We encourage one another daily. Uh, remember to register for May the 2nd, our next in-person gathering. Uh, if the camera fails, we'll just put a slide on the screen. You can listen to the music for a few minutes. God bless you. Have a great Sunday.